Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited about all the groups going on. And keep in mind this, that all the groups Carmen talked about, those are only the new groups. Those are only the new groups. We've got like eight or ten other groups that are going as well. So we're going to have all of them up next week. We just wanted to let you know about the new things that are happening at Church on the Rock. Let's give the Lord a hand just for all the people that have, they came yesterday and got trained and opened up their lives. We're glad about that. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time of the service where we open up your word. Father, your word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. Lord, we hide your word in our heart so that we can better live for you. Lord, I pray today that our minds would be open and our heart would receive. And Lord, I just yield my mind and I yield my body and I yield my my, my mouth and everything I am, and I just pray that you would speak something through me today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. We're in the series Love Like Jesus, and we're bringing hope and healing to a wounded, fractured, and divided world. How many have seen that we're seeing that in our world today? That there's lines are drawn, walls are going up, there's so much division there's division in our nation. There's division with politics. There's division uh, uh, if we don't see things like I do or believe just like I do or, or, or look at things just like I do. It seems like our tolerance has gone down. So I wanted to address that because it seems like we're more and more divided and more and more polarized and more and more fractious and fractured than I've ever seen. But how are we going to act as believers? Turn me down just a little bit, please. How are we going to act as believers? How are we going to fight the tide or not give in to that pressure that is happening around us? So in a fractured world, how are we, church? I want to challenge you. How are we, church? How are we going to be agents of change? How are we going to be... <coughs> Excuse me. How are we going to be agents of love and agents that, that bring harmony and peace? So last week we started on how to love like Jesus in a fractured world. And the first thing we said is that we need to treat people with, everybody say dignity. We want to treat people with dignity. We want to celebrate diversity. Celebrate diversity. And today we're going to talk about we want to share the space. So everybody say, don't knock people out of your space. Somebody say, I want to share the space. This isn't our, our air and this isn't our earth, it's God's air and God's earth. And how many know that we're supposed to share the space? Amen? <coughs> Sorry, I got a tickle in my throat. Um, just like every parent, you know our Heavenly Father wants to enjoy and He likes to see His children getting along with each other. Even right before Jesus left and went to heaven, He was like, he was like Father... I just pray that, that the people and the disciples and the people that you've given me, I just pray that they can relate to each other and they can love, it, love each other and they can be like you and I are. And then Jesus said, man, Father, you and I are one. We think the same. We're on the same page. We have the same purpose. And my sole prayer is that the people will do the same. You know, the, Jesus was saying, what Jesus was saying to those people is he knew the only thing that could beat the church or could beat the people, the only thing that could beat a marriage, the only thing that can beat a team, the only thing that can beat a community is when we're divided. And so he was like, man, the greatest thing, 
All power, all authority, his blood, angels, Bible, everything's been given to us to succeed. But Jesus knew that if we didn't have unity, it wouldn't happen. Any community that we're a part of, we have to protect the unity. We have to share the space. We have to share that space. And when I'm preaching today, I want you to think on sharing that space. I share it with my family. I share it with my team. I share it with classmates. I share it with people at work. I share it with my church. I share that space with my wife. So I want you to think of all the different places that we have that we share that space because God wants to promote harmony and unity today. The Bible says your first scripture is Ephesians 4.3. Look at that with me in your insert. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through that bond of peace. So the Bible gives us advice how we can keep that unity, how we can keep that mind frame. And number one is we need to focus we need to focus on what we have in common and not what our differences are. Can somebody say amen? Focus on what we have in common, not what our differences are. You know, the Bible says, Paul tells us, so let us definitely aim, definitely aim, and let's eagerly pursue that which makes for harmony. And let's aim and let's pursue things that mutually build people up. Let's aim for that. Let's focus on building people up and the people around us. So whatever community you're in, again, think about the community you're in. Whatever it is, our focus needs to be on what we have in common. And if you was to say, what would that be like in the church? Man, what we have in common with the church is we got one Lord. We have one body. We have one purpose. We have one Father. We have one Spirit. We have one hope. We share the same faith. We shared the same Lord's Supper. We share the same baptism. We have the same love for Christ. So we say that, man, we got a lot in common. We share salvation through the name of Jesus. We share the same life. Think about this. We share the same future. Guys, we're going to the same place. We share that together. And I'll tell you what, these factors are far more important, what we have in common, than what divides us. So we need to focus on that which matters most. we got to remember that God chose us. And when he chose us, he, he made everybody different. He gave us different personalities, different backgrounds, different opinions, different preferences. And we should value and enjoy these differences and not just say, I'm tolerating that. Let's enjoy these. God wants us to enjoy unity, not uniformity. Think about that. We don't want to be a bunch of puppets, everybody looking the same, having the same opinion. Having the, we, we don't want to be like uh, um, the, the Star Wars where all those guys don't have their mind and that, and that army, they all do the same thing, they all look the same way. Let's, let's don't look at uniformity, but let's enjoy our unity in diversity. And as we go, we have to, as we're doing that for, for unity's sake, Sometimes those things that divide us, we, we just got to stay focused on what matters most. Sometimes we just have to do the best for the whole. You know what I mean with that? When you're looking at your family and everybody's, say, four people on a simple thing, want to go eat at this restaurant and you're the only one, let's, let's kind of go with the whole. Let's kind of go with and, and not fight for every mountain, but sometimes just say, hey, for unity's sake, whatever. It's okay. We need to to, to know that there's other ways. I remember one time we were hanging sheetrock. 
in Missouri, and um, and 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 there were I had like 13, 14 guys in. We was hanging sheetrock, and there was a doctor, a veterinarian, and another person that they were all pretty smart. My goodness, they sat and talked about how they were going to measure a piece of sheetrock and hang it on the ceiling for 45 minutes. One of them wanted to measure from one corner, and one of them wanted to measure from the other corner, and one of them had to say when you flip it, you got to reverse it in your head, and they're sitting there talking about it. Finally, I said, all right, Doc, you go over here, you go over here, you over here, and because and, and, everybody's like, it's got to be my way. There's only one way we can do it. But sometimes the Word says, don't think only of your own good. Think of what's best for others. And, and it also says, in community is where we learn to be uncon unselfish, and in community it's where we learn to say we instead of me, and instead of our, it's mine, instead of, it's always got to be like, I want it. Philippians 2.3 says this, don't let anything be done through strife or vainglory, but let's have lowliness of mind. Look at this, let each, say that with me, let each esteem others greater than yourself that just means hey maybe your way of measuring is better than mine you know whenever there's conflict conflict is always a sign or usually is a sign that we've shifted our focus on the things that are less important when we focus focus on personalities and pre preferences and interpretations and styles and methods divisions will always begin to happen at that time so whenever there's conflict, we need to stop and say, hey, there's probably some division. That's probably where the Bible says that we're beginning to pass judgment on disputable matters. But the Bible says if we concentrate on each other, then we'll begin to feel, fulfill God's purpose and harmony. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, let real harmony be there so there won't be divisions in the church. Or you can say in my community, I plead with all of you, be of one mind. Let's be united in thought, and let's be united in purpose. And then I also like this scripture in 2 Timothy 2.23, a lot of scripture today. It says, but refuse. Shut your mind against. Don't have anything to do with trifling. In other words, ill-informed Ill or unedify, unedifying or stupid controversies over ignorant questioning, for you know that they foster strife and they breed quarrel. So our first thing that we wanted to talk about when we talk about unity, the first thing is let's focus on what we have in common. And I think that's a good starting point. And then the second thing in your handout is be realistic in your expectations. Expectations is your feel, is your feeling. Once you discover what God intends, real fellowship to be, it's easy to become discouraged by the gap of the ideal and the real. I want to say that again. Once you discover what God intends fellowship to be, it's easy to get discouraged when you see the gap. There's a big gap between this is the ideal way I want my marriage. This is the ideal way I want our church to be. This is the ideal way I want things to be. But man, there's a big gap because what I really see, there's a lot of space in between there. So what do we do in that time? We got to love people. We got to love people in spite of imperfections you know we're longing for that we, when, as we're longing for the idea and we're striving for the ideal and we're moving towards the ideals we can't criticize the real 
It's not going to change a thing if we're criticizing what's real while we're striving for the ideal. But on the other hand, settling, we don't want to settle for the real when there is an ideal for you. Are you all with me? There's balance in that. There's balance in that. So find that balance as, as you're, you're pushing and you're going towards the ideal. I mean, don't settle and don't get complacent with the real. Keep moving towards the ideal, but have that love as we're doing it. How many know that people's going to disappoint us? We're going to be disappointed. We're going to let people down. But that's, that's no excuse to just stop fellowshipping or quit striving for the, for the ideal. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 2, it says, be patient with each other. I like this scripture. Make allowances for each other's faults because you love them. Because you love them. I'm going to make some allowances for people's faults around me because I love them. You know, we can become disillusioned living in community because of so many reasons. When you get people, this many people together, there's going to be conflict. When you get two people together, when you get three people, there's two people being married. Think about your family again. Think about your family. Think about your marriage. Think about your class. Think about your business. Think about different places that you have community. It's easy to get disillusioned in community because there's conflict. You get hurt in community. How many see hypocrisy? Hypocrisy, neglect, pettiness, misunderstandings, disrespect. But we got to get to that place and being real at, realistic in our expectations because community is made of imperfect people. And you and I are part of those two imperfect people. I think people, especially when they get into church, they're shocked thinking, man, I thought if I got to church, I wouldn't deal with the garbage I deal with at work. Or I thought God's people, I wouldn't have to deal with this or that. No, everybody's imperfect. It's going to happen in church. We have to know that we have, we, we have to know that it's going to be happening like that. You know, people, to me, when we get hurt or there's conflict or hypocrisy or any of that stuff, I believe sometimes people intentionally are doing it to hurt us. But most of the time, people are unintentional. They're unintentional when you're doing it. I personally wouldn't intentionally hurt anybody or intentionally try to bring anybody down. So I think we got to give that to everybody else while we're walking in grace, while we're walking in forgiveness, that we're giving people the benefit of the doubt, that we're hoping the best and believing the best, and we're trying to look at people's heart and not at the outward. Outward. The Bible says, whatever things are pure and clean of good report. And I like this. If there be any virtue, if there be any virtue or praise, if there's any single solitary thing you can do to think good about somebody, he said, do that. Number three. Number three. I like this one. We must choose to encourage rather than criticize i want us to focus on encouragement rather than criticizing i want to, I, I i i was thinking about this this morning whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me they were very wrong they were very wrong in fact sometimes i would rather have a stick and take a beating 
than what people's words have done to me. You know, there's, I, I have had, to, I've even carried wounds. I'll, I'll admit it. Even as a man, uh, uh, being, going into adulthood, I carried wounds of childhood. Even the other day when I was with Ames, my little grandson, he was doing something and, um, and, and he was in the wrong, but I, I was sharp with him and I said, Ames, knock it off. Ames, knock it off. But that boy is so tender and so innocent, even that much I could tell it didn't foster, it didn't foster a growth in him or provoke him to a good work. And the Bible even says, fathers, that we're to provoke our, we're not to provoke our children unto wrath. Sometimes we can take that authoritative place. And, but guys, we've got to be so sensitive with our children. They were born, they were born sensitive and they were born innocent. In fact, some parents are, are, can, some parents because they've yelled so loud and they've, and they've been so harsh that their children have had to build a tolerance and a defense to that. And that's why they're numb to anything you say to them. And when it gets to that point, you may be, oh, jeez, what I do now? You can still pray, and God can reverse that. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, you ought to keep things with God supernatural. Even with marriage. Even with marriage, when th there are times that every marriage gets to a place where you don't feel that emotion of love. And, and you don't feel that, that, that feeling that you might have had at some point or another. And that can make you think, well, what's going on here? I always tell people, man, when you don't feel love for your spouse, pray and ask God to give you a love for your spouse. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Do you know the Bible says that, the, that, that God is faithful? In, in, in Lamentations 3.25, the great song we sing, Great is your faithfulness, great is your faithfulness. The reason God is a faithful God is because his compassions are brand new every morning. Even in, 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 in being, anytime you work with people like I do, sometimes people can exhaust every bit of compassion you have in 30 minutes. Mothers, sometimes your children can exhaust every bit of patience and every bit of compassion you have in just a few minutes. Wives, sometimes your husband <laughs> can exhaust that. And I think, guys, it's so important. I, I, a, a very common prayer for me is I say, oh, Lord, I pray that you'll give me your heart for people. I pray you'll give me your heart and your love for the people of Church on the Rock. I pray that I'll continue to see them like you do. I pray that I'll continue to hear them like you do. I pray that I'll continue to love them like you do. But brothers and sisters, we can do that even, even when you feel like you've messed your children up. Man, I've been so hard and so harsh and yelled at them where they're tone deaf to me. God can even change that. I'll tell you what, girls that have to go through middle school, my goodness, mean girls, whoo. I, I, you, you carry wounds. People that say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's wrong. That, that's a wrong statement. There are people that's carrying into, to, there, there might be ladies from mid, middle school carrying wounds of middle school. Thinking, you don't think that penetrates an adult? I'm a 50-year-old man, and I think if my dad talked harsh to me, or my mom was disappointed in me, or my mom was 
critical of me, I think it would still hurt my heart because I love her so much. So, guys, let's use our words to encourage and not criticize. Are y'all with me today? Use your words. The Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So you can either speak death to your spouse or you can speak life. Somebody here say, I'm going to speak life. You can speak death. You can keep saying, um, I, I love one of Carmen's friends, uh, Vicki. Um, um, there's a funny story that she tells about one of the kids thought his name was No Get Down. Because <laughs> she was like, No Get Down. No Get Down. And this child thought, is that the right word? Ellie thought, the, the, the sister thought the boy's, the brother's name was Get Down. So she was going to her brother saying, come here, get down. Come here, get down. <laughs> but there's so much, there's so much to what you say. What you say. Wake up and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Wake up and say, thank you, Lord, for my wife and that she's the love of my, my youth and that our marriage is, is strong and our marriage is beautiful and our marriage has lots of love flowing instead of criticizing and talking about. I'm telling you, words are so important. And here's the deal. The word says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, so what's in you? That, that, Sometimes it may be a heart issue that you need healing for. Do you know sometimes if, if you can't, if, if nothing that, if, if you have, and I got to be honest with you, Nancy Pelosi's challenging to me. <laughs> if there be any virtue, oh God, let me think here. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, I, I mean, when you get to a point where, where you just can't have anything but bitterness, or anything but anger, anything but hurt, or anything but conflict. Guys, that's an issue of the heart. Listen, but God can heal the heart. It could be as easy today as you saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, can you change my heart? Or it could be as easy today. In fact, all this I'm preaching on, I added today, I hadn't thought about it. It just came to me this morning. But, but even today, I was going to challenge you guys to just say, Lord, I'm not going to use my words to heal me. I'm sorry for doing it to my kids. I'm sorry for doing it to my wife. I'm sorry for doing it to the people around me. And I ask you to help me not do that anymore. It can change today. It can change today. So um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, even James says, James says that, um, that, that, that fresh water and bitter wire can't come from the same place you're either fresh or you're bitter and then he said how can bitter words come out of your mouth and you call yourself christian and fresh and he said it ought not be so let's let words of kindness come in, come out of our our mouth I, I think that's some pretty good preaching there um there's some scriptures you can look at on that here's number four here's number four is we must refuse to listen to gossip. Refuse to listen to gossip. 
here's the definition of gossip. Gossip is the passing of information. Again, we're talking about preserving unity. Um, gossip's the passing of information when you are neither part of the problem nor of the solution. I want you to write that down. Gossip is the passing of information when you're neither part of the problem nor part of the solution. We all know that spreading gossip's wrong. We shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. But guys, I want to press it further than just being a spreader of gossip and be a spreader of tearing people down and saying bad things about people. I want to take it a step further and say you shouldn't even listen to it. Not only should we not be involved in doing it, we ought not even be listening to it. The Bible says wrongdoers eagerly listen for gossip. You ever been around anybody that wants to have the latest, latest, the latest, latest? What, what smut can I get on this person? How can I, what, what can we dig up about that one? Man, what's the latest? Wrongdoers eagerly listening for that. When someone begins to gossip to you, I want this church. We're talking about being agents of change. And we're talking about let's bring our nation back together in relations. When people begin to gossip to you, have the courage to say, please stop. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't need to know this. Have you talked directly to that person? If people gossip to you, just say, hey, please, I don't want to know this. I don't want to know it. I don't want, I, I, have you talked to that person? I don't have anything to do with it. Remember, gossip is when you are, you're, you're, you're neither part of the problem or the solution, so get away from it. But look at this Proverbs 26, 20. There's a lot of wisdom here. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no whispering, contention ceases. I don't want to hear that. Lack of wood. I don't want to hear that. Have you talked to that person? Eh, 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 eh. I don't want. I don't want it. Then that's where, when there's no whispering, contention ceases. You know that can even happen in relationships, guys. We got to be really careful with that. Here's here's one that here's one that really stunned me. One day. This is a big one to me. People who gossip to you will also gossip about you. I learned that one the hard way. Especially being a pastor, everybody thinks that's a ticket where you hear everybody's stuff. And I'll even, even to a pastor, am I, am I excluded from Scripture just because I'm a pastor? Am I um, privileged to get into this stuff just because I'm a pastor? No. There's many times I'll say, I don't want to hear it. Have you talked to that person? Because the scripture is real clear on that. And, and I also realize when people are so get real close to you, hey, you're my buddy, I want to say this. People that want to say two things to you are people that's going to say things about you. A gossip hurts and harms the community. The Bible has strong words against these, this. One, in, in Proverbs 16, 28, it says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip can, sell, can separate the very best of friends. How many has had that happen? Where gossip has separated you from a very good friend. You know, Scripture helps us. Here's another strong Scripture about gossip. 
It says if you bite and devour one another. I mean, that's pretty strong. That's cannibalism. How many say cannibalism is pretty tough words? They took the, the Bible took the term and say if you bite and devour one another, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. And then there's a scripture that says in Matthew 12, 36, you can be sure that on the day of judgment that you will have to give an account of every useless. Useless there in the, in the Greek means inappropriate and divisive words that we have spoken. So how many say that's pretty, pretty strong words? Would you agree with that? Um, the Bible even says to avoid killers of community. Think about this. I learned this at my first church, Romans 16, 17, and 18. He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, again, I want you to think about your communities. Teenagers, I want you to think about your school and your class. Athletes, think about your team. Adults, think about the workplace where there's a lot of people working together. Church, think about our whole church. Come on, let's think about community, okay? Now then, listen to this scripture. I urge you guys, watch out for people, watch out for people that cause divisions and put obstacles in your way because they're contrary to what I'm telling you to do. See, I could say, hey, watch out for people that's doing this because it's, it's different. You guys hear what I'm teaching you from the word we're supposed to do. So let's watch out. If people's telling you something else, Paul said, because what I'm telling you is what God says, okay? Keep away from them. Keep away from them. For such people, they're not serving God. They're serving their own flesh, their own appetites. Smooth talk, flattery, they can deceive the minds of naive people. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be classified as naive, and deceived. Anybody out there say amen? So don't let people pull you into that. A gossip goes around, Proverbs 20, 19, telling secrets, telling secrets and betraying confidence. And the Bible says, don't hang around with these chatterers. Chatter, 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 chatter. Don't hang around them. I want to end today with how do we practice God's method of conflict res resolution? How do we practice con re resolving conflict? How does scripture say, how do I resolve a conflict? And I want you to think about anybody you have, have, ha have had a conflict with or who you are in a conflict with. The Bible tells us, guys, this works for teenagers. We don't outgrow it as adults. It works in marriage. It works in every place of community. How many believe the Bible works? Okay. How does he? Here, here's how the Bible teaches. If you can't get, first of all, I take my conflict to the Lord. Because I, sometimes we put the big boy pants on and it's just something that we need to get over. Sometimes when there's conflict, we don't need to make, Guys, really listen to this. I think this is really important because I think some people make a big deal out of nothing. Well, I'll be honest with you. Karen is one of my best friends back there. Me and her had some words to each other that weren't 
um, the same opinion yesterday. You did? Yeah, she's a great friend. And you know what else? We spent the whole afternoon together with our husband and wife playing pinochle and laughing and having a good time because we have differences of opinions. We have different ideals. We have different thought patterns. And sometimes rather than, oh, Karen, you really offended me and, and I can't believe you said those words to me and I can't believe I, would you please forgive me for saying... Sometimes you make a, mall, a big mountain out of a molehill. Just let it go. Seriously. Seriously. We, we, Karen, we're good enough friends. We didn't even need to talk about that. Because we're good enough friends. The Bible says love, perfect love, casts out fear. I'm not worried that she's not going to like me anymore, and she's not going to love me anymore, and she's going to leave the church and, and go get a bunch of people to leave with her. I don't do that with her. Because perfect love casts out fear. So listen to me, guys. Listen to me, guys. Some conflict, just get over it with God. Are y'all with me? Don't make a big deal out of it. Sometimes it's worse if you try to make a big deal out of it. To me, and then the second thing Scripture says is it says, go to that person. Wives, it doesn't say go to your best friend and, and rat out about your husband. Husband doesn't say go to your best friend and start telling how stinking your wife is and, and all this stuff. What good does that do? What good does that do? Be adults and have a conversation with the person. If you can't get over it with God, have a conversation together and try to resolve the conflict. Now, some of you will say, I've tried that. That doesn't work. Well, then you move to the third step of the Bible. And the third step is, of the Bible is get somebody that's neutral, that loves you both, and that sets as a mediator. If it's, it's, if it's between a husband and a wife, get somebody that loves both of you, that wants the best for you, that'll say, I'm looking at good friends, Brian and Megan, hypothetically, say, Brian, you're being a knothead here. Megan, give him a break. Somebody that's kind of a mediator in between while conflict's being resolved. Are y'all with me? Let's, let's resolve things. I, I'm, I'm tired of walls. I'm tired of lines drawn. I'm tired of seeing the enemy just destroying a great nation. Quite frankly, I'm tired of the Republicans and the Democrats. I'm tired of both of them. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of everybody digging up smut. I'm tired of every time we make a nickname. Guys, I don't like that. And you shouldn't as Christians. I, I don't like thinking of Rubio as little Marco. I, I don't like that. It's, it's not Christian. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of Christians saying it's okay and laughing about it. It's dividing, it's divisive, it's wrong, it's criticizing, it's, we got to find a way to stand up for what we believe, but that's why I preach dignity first. You do it with dignity. We treat people with dignity. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come to you today. We're going we're gonna to pray about some stuff. We're going to pray about, with every head and, mouth and eyes bowed today, 
if words have wounded you, and you're living a life with voices that cause you to shrink up, you lose confidence, it's preventing you from being able to love, it's preventing you from being able to be successful in your, in your occupation, it robs you of confidence, you feel insecure, you can't love your spouse fully, you can't love other people fully because you've been wounded. The Holy Spirit told me to say it like that today because you've been wounded. If you've been wounded today, nobody's looking around. Would you just lift your hand up and let me see it today? Let me see hands all over this place. Amen. Hands are going up everywhere. Lift them up. Men, some men even need lifted. Lift your hand up, man. My heart's wounded. My wife hurt my heart. Things were done to, how many say I'm carrying things clear from my elementary? Who says I'm carrying things clear from school and I'm 50 years old? Who says I'm in a second marriage, I, I, my, my first marriage didn't work out and I'm carrying things from past relationships? Lift your hand up today. It's helping me, where, it's making it where I have trouble with my current spouse. Whatever that is right now, if you raise your hand on that, I want to pray with you. Bow your head, because the, the, the Bible says that Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. So right now, whoever you are, whoever raised their hand, I want you to, Put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, heal my brokenness. Heal my broken heart. Lord, those people that have hurt me or offended me or where conflict has been, I release it. And I bless them. Well, I can't do that, Brian. You got to. It's what the Word says, dude. Just say, I bless them. Words that have been spoken to me that have robbed my confidence that have made me fearful, that have made me where I can't be courageous. Say, Lord, heal me today. Make me courageous. Make me strong. Guys, I'm going to be honest. As a middle schooler, some words and bullying was done to me. It affected me clear up in adult life. It affected me clear up in adult life. It affected my confidence. Made me insecure. I had to have the Lord heal my heart. Heal my broken heart in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want you to look at any wall that's in relationships. Any relationship you have that there's a wall, I want you to say, wall, come down in Jesus' name. If you're a person that's been critical and you use your words to be mean, I want you to ask God to forgive you. Say, Lord, forgive me for harshness. Forgive me for criticizing Ask God to forgive you. Amen. Ask Him to forgive you. And say, Lord, give me words of encouragement. Do you know how many times I've prayed and said, Lord, fix my mess-ups. Fix it where I've blown it with my kids. Fix it, Lord, fix it where I've blown it with my wife. Pray that right now. Say, Lord, I'm asking your forgiveness. I see what I am. I see what I do. Can you fix it? And can you help me be what you called me to be? Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that we can come to church and we can be changed. Let's stand to our feet today. Amen. We're going to have the prayer team come forward. If you need prayer for anything today, feel free to do that. They're going to come forward. They'll pray with you about anything. I'm going to...
I got to tell you something I really like as a pastor, and you're probably going to notice we do it a lot at this church, is I think it's tough to have people, it would be tough for me to walk up for prayer. If I preach something that I believe God's told me to preach, I like making the whole room a place of prayer. And that's why I like, I like ending like we did today. Guys, you, people have bowed their hearts to the Lord and you've asked for prayer today. Right now, all across this room, say, thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for, he for healing me. Thank you, Jesus, that I know I'm going out of here changed. I'm going out of here better today. I'm going out of here better today. I'm going out of here with better relationship. I'm going out of here with better attitude. I'm going out here with a, a, a better perspective, a better outlook. Lord, thank you for touching me. Thank you for making my crooked way straight. I worship you all across this room. Just give the Lord a hand clap today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Give some people a hand five, high five around you. We'll see you tonight at skating. Come forward for prayer. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you.